This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. No racial justice, no hockey. You know, it was a really important decision, and I think it was the, the right decision to make. How the Vancouver Canucks are supporting this pivotal moment in sports history. Unprovoked attack on a teen with autism. He got punched, he doesn't remember much. The devastating impact on his family and the search for the suspect. And 68 new COVID-19 cases. Virtually every part of our province has been touched by COVID-19. The province unveils a new look that maps out BC's hotspots. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. One day after NBA players decided not to play as an act of solidarity and protest following the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin, the NHL is now following their lead. The league is putting the playoffs on hold for at least the next two days, and that includes, of course, Game 3 of the Canucks Vegas series that was supposed to happen tonight. Jordan Armstrong joins us now live with more from the Canucks and the reaction from fans. Jordan. Chris, we've been hearing the rumors pretty much all day, but it took until 3 o'clock this afternoon for the NHL and the Canucks to make it official. Here is the statement from the team. Quote, the Vancouver Canucks and Vegas Golden Knights players have elected not to play tonight's game in the name of equality and to protect protest against acts of racial injustice. The Canucks organization is 100% supportive. The decision emphasizes the importance of being an ally, moving the conversation forward and taking action. We have all worked hard to come together to play games, but this is a moment for all of us to take a stand. This is bigger than hockey. Black Lives Matter. Now, prior to 3 p.m., the NHL had been widely criticized for its response. The league had a moment of reflection Wednesday over racial injustice, but many believe that moment fell short. BC-born NHLer Evander Kane called out the league in a tweet earlier today, urging them to suspend playoff games. As we know, all NBA games were canceled Wednesday in the wake of the police shooting of Jacob Blake. The 29-year-old black man was shot seven times by an officer during an arrest in Wisconsin Sunday. MLB and other leagues also canceled some of their games beginning Wednesday. We spoke this afternoon to some Canucks fans for their reaction. Here's what they told us. I'm fine with no game. I think it was the right thing to do for the league and for the, the Players Association. I think, like in line with the basketball and other sports. I think that's great and it's fantastic. Yeah. I think it's time that people should like come together in unity so then they should fight for something that they stand for. Oh, I, I think they're trying to make a change and it's a good thing. Uh, uh, however, uh, I mean, uh, how much of a change can they really make by post-gaming, uh, postponing a hockey game? It, it, I guess I'm with them. It's our home team and I'm good with that. Yeah, you think yes. they made the right call? Yes, I think so. So, no Canucks game three tonight. We expect they will take to the ice against Vegas on Saturday. Chris and Sophie, back to you. All right, thanks, Jordan. And Sports Director Squire Barnes joins us now with more on what the Canucks are saying about it and what the league is saying about it tonight. 
Well, of course, the uh, NHL played three games yesterday when the NBA took all their games and postponed them, and that was noticed. So this morning, NHL players, uh, with some push from outside the bubble, from people like Evander Kane and Matt Dumba, decided they better do something too. And the Canucks were uh, one of the teams that was really pushing to postpone games and take some time off and show solidarity with the NBA. And Bo Horvat talked about that today at a joint press conference with all the teams from the Western Conference bubble. You know, met as a group and, and went over to, to Vegas and we met as, um, you know, as a group there and, and thought this was going to be the best form of action to take. And, um, you know, I'm really proud of what we come up with. And, um, you know, we definitely think this is the best, uh, best thing to do. So as Jordan said, there will be no game tonight between the Canucks and Vegas. There will be no games tomorrow in the NHL playoffs. But we don't have a schedule yet, but they should resume on the weekend once again. All right, thanks for that, Squire. We'll talk to you in a bit. A landmark in downtown Victoria was vandalized overnight. City crews are cleaning up after the statue of Captain Cook across from the Fairmont Empress Hotel was splashed with red paint. The English explorer arrived in Victoria's Inner Harbor back in 1778. Although the motive of the vandal is unclear, earlier this summer anti-racism protests around the world saw statues of explorers in the U.S. vandalized or torn down. The Captain Cook Monument is now surrounded in cones as the bronze statue gets a pressure wash to remove the paint. A distraught Richmond father is speaking out about a shocking and unprovoked attack on his son. The teenager, who has autism, was playing basketball at a local court about a week ago when he was allegedly punched. He suffered a deeply cut lip and a concussion. Rumina Dea has the details and a warning. The following story includes disturbing images. A friendly game of b-ball Friday night erupted in violence, landing Andre, an autistic teen, in the emergency room. Lots of blood, lots of blood. Skateboard full of blood, uh, clothes full of blood, um, baseball cap full of blood. The 18-year-old suffered a vicious cut to the lip, bruises, and he had a concussion from hitting his head on a tree. So another boy came and um, said, you are talking too loud to me. Other children said, let him be, he's got special needs. And that was it. After that, he, he, he got punched. He doesn't remember much. You can see Andre helpless on the ground. A female rushes in to help. The suspect just walks away, say Richmond RCMP. Harris first says he was crushed because initially Andre didn't tell his parents what happened because he didn't want to disappoint them. When he came home and things a little bit slowed down. He said, well, my biggest concern was that I'm going to disappoint you, meaning me, my, the father, saying because I wasn't able to defend myself and then saying, you know, I did what you wanted me to do because I always encouraged him to go out to meet people and I said the only way you can get ahead in life is to meet people, true people, people who will know you, people who will embrace you. Teens who go to school with Andre say he's a good kid and they're disgusted anyone would hurt him. I just kind of find it kind of inexcusable in a way that a person could actually get mad at someone, at a person with special needs like that and go as far as to, you know, punch him. The Mounties say they have identified a suspect, 
but no charges have been laid. While some witnesses have come forward, the RCMP say they know there are others out there who witnessed the assault. I'm sure you know if the situation were, was opposite, Andre would do this for you. Romina Dea, Global News. Turning now to the latest COVID-19 numbers for the province, we have 68 new infections today, bringing the provincial total to 5,372. Sadly, we've had one more death, which means we've now lost 204 people to the virus. 22 people are in hospital, seven of them in ICU. 4,253 are recovered fully leaving us with 906 active cases and 2,810 people in isolation. We'll bring in Keith Baldry once again for more. And Keith, health officials released some interesting new data today and some imagery for the first time showing where COVID-19 cases are around the province. Yeah, fascinating. People have been clamoring for this information almost from day one, literally wanting to know if it's in their backyard. So today, the first time, we've got a glimpse of how many COVID cases are in each municipality or smaller geographical region. Take a look at the Metro Vancouver map here, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, every, every municipality assigned a number, 44 in West Vancouver, 205 in North Van. But the three big hot spots are Vancouver. If you total up all those Vancouver cases, you're at 716, Surrey at 521, and Abbotsford, which has to have the worst per capita COVID situation since it doesn't have as big a population is third at 454. That's between January 1st and July 31st. But there's other towns, of course, outside the metro that have had COVID-19. So randomly, I picked a few of them to show you. Prince George, very smaller numbers, 33. Kamloops, 53. Uh, Terrace was just six cases since the outbreak began. And Cranbrook as well, which is four. Kelowna, the biggest case outside of Metro Vancouver. And Victoria, where I am, was just 29. Dr. Bonnie Henry today explained why this is the moment to release this information. If she had done it earlier without as many cases to draw on, some people's confidentiality could have been compromised. And we're now at the point where we have sufficient numbers of cases by a smaller geographic area. So it does give you a sense of where people who have been affected with COVID or have been diagnosed with COVID live. It doesn't tell the whole story, of course. So some other encouraging news, guys. I've been tracking the positivity rate for some time. We had been as low as 0.5% of tests becoming positive. We rose to more than 2%. Over the last 48 hours, uh, 9,000 tests have been conducted, and the positivity rate is less than 1.5%. So those numbers are trending in the, in the right direction, and hopefully that stays the case in the weeks and months ahead. For sure. Okay, thanks very much, Keith. A new Westminster masseur is facing charges after allegedly sexually assaulting a female patient. And police believe there may be more alleged victims. Police received a complaint that a woman had been sexually assaulted last month while receiving a massage at the Healthland Clinic on 6th Street. The male masseur was arrested and later released with charges recommended to Crown Counsel. In January, two women say they were touched inappropriately during treatment at the Healthland Clinic in Surrey. A 48-year-old man was arrested and has an upcoming court appearance. At the time, the clinic manager said the suspect would also occasionally provide massages in New West. We're appealing to the public. If anybody uh, may have been sexually assaulted during a massage therapy session to call us, we've got a special sexual investigations unit, a specialized investigations unit with community counselors. So we're here, we'll listen, we'll give a safe space to listen to, to people uh, that may have been uh, a victim of a sexual assault. 
Victoria City Council met behind closed doors today to address the growing crime and homelessness crisis in the capital. That meeting comes one day after Victoria police busted a drug ring that had been operating out of tents right next to City Hall. Brad McLeod reports. The Centennial Square encampment is not working for anyone. That's the mayor's words, but it was City Council which decided to allow overnight camping here and in other parks around Victoria. We have seen an enormous amount of violent crimes in that area, which we believe are linked to the drug trade. We spoke with Jamal Ali Johnson two weeks ago. He said he lives in Centennial Square. Because when I'm sitting in this tent all day, drugs running rapid, I'm an alcoholic drug, drug user. Incidents almost nightly. Windows have been shot out at City Hall in a nearby theater. Police found the pellet gun responsible. And we've had multiple stabbings where victims are, are crawling across the street. So police went undercover to crack down on illicit drug dealing. Many of the people that are in tents at that location are not experiencing homelessness. Saying several tents had no bedding being used just to sell drugs. 17 people now face trafficking charges, including 41-year-old Jamal Ali Johnson. I've been through the highs and lows. I'm at, I'm at a low point right now. Before we turn off the uh, camera to the public. City Council held a special closed meeting to get legal advice on how they can manage the encampments. Councillor Jeff Young was the only one to vote against 24-hour camping in the first place. Well, I hope other councillors will listen to the public and change their approach to this whole issue. For those who are facing homelessness, the province just purchased these two lots on Mir Street near downtown for $3.2 million. Up to 50 people could be housed here, but it's still in the planning phase. Back in Centennial Square, even police are facing violence. One of our undercover officers was actually robbed by an individual uh, during a drug buy. A public report on ways council could deal with the encampments should be released early next week. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. And a large police presence in a Kelowna neighborhood yesterday as RCMP executed a search warrant there at a house believed to be involved in drug trafficking. RCMP say they searched this home in the 400 block of Rutland Road South. Six people were arrested. Charges are pending. Weapons and quantities of what are believed to be fentanyl and cocaine were seized. Also recovered a large number uh, of bikes and cash. The bikes believed to have been stolen. More fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic for young drivers. How the delay in road tests is a double whammy for some drivers at risk of losing their status altogether. That story in just over a minute. Well, a little girl who broke her arm lost the balloons that were meant to cheer her up. The surprising place they ended up hundreds of kilometers away later on the news hour. Also tonight, it was once so polluted it showed no signs of life. But 20 years later, the amazing recovery of house sound that's coming up. Right now, though, we've shown you how the COVID-19 backlog is preventing people from getting road tests, but it gets even worse for some with expiring permits. The wait means they might have to start right back at square one. John Hua has more on one family going to great lengths to get their son behind the wheel before that happens. A road test is a rite of passage that already comes with a lot of pressure. Check. Now imagine your family having to drive eight hours out of town just to give you a shot at getting your license before your learner's permit expires. 
I even feel pressure and it's not even me. It's a bit scary, a bit stressful, but we'll get through it. 17-year-old Liam Martin was hoping to lower the stakes by booking a road test in North Vancouver, but like many others, was caught up in a three-month backlog after ICBC put the brakes on testing during the early stages of COVID-19. Martin's learners expires in a week, so the Kootenays came calling. He's got a driving exam in Nelson, so we are doing a road trip. <laughs> Make sure you got your L on there. Got it. In fact, once a learner's permit expires, ICBC prohibits anyone from booking a road test until the knowledge exam is rewritten. The wait for that, around two to three months as well. The closure's three months, four months. The expiry date should be extended the three or four months past when they reopened. ICBC has just announced there will be 2,000 more road test bookings added in September, another 6,000 in the weeks following. Claim centers are being repurposed to accommodate extra staff, and drivers can try to rebook an earlier test. We hear you, we understand the frustrations, and we've been doing our very best behind the scenes to address the backlog. But when it comes to extending learners' expiration dates, all ICBC says it can do is reopen more test kiosks. ICBC does not have the ability to extend the license um, uh, because it's actually written in legislation. When you have to book a test and it's going to be in January or that you have to travel 800 kilometers to the nearest town to take a test, somebody has messed up. Another ICBC answer, try not to fail. With 40% doing so, rebookings mean a bigger backlog. Liam Martin already knows he has to pass with his family's patience with ICBC wearing thin. John Hua, Global News. Frustration is growing in Surrey's Bridgeview neighborhood over the rumble of big rigs rolling by. We've done all that. We've had to refill all that, the cracks there. Homeowners say the vibration there. from the truck traffic is causing damage to their walls and foundations, something they've been dealing with for decades. One property owner claims he's repeatedly patching up the same spots. And despite several petitions, the city of Surrey isn't protecting their properties. To make matters worse, he says a truck park is going up right across the street. We've been notified nothing about that truck park. Like I say, there's over a dozen trucks in there now. There's an excavator in there. There's a crew working in there that's repairing these trucks. And that's all on residential and I-4 industrial land. A statement from the city of Surrey says sometimes trucks may need to connect to a truck route through a residential street, and in this circumstance, they take the shortest route possible. Hurricane Laura leaves a lot of damage. Coming up, how one reporter dodged flying glass and others are only just beginning to assess the damage. And Donald Trump's big night, what's expected from his acceptance speech on the last night of the Republican National Convention. High above Highway 1 in North Vancouver, you're seeing extremely significant delays eastbound all the way through, actually from West Vancouver, maybe west of Capilano Road, down through the upper levels highway, through the cut, and towards the Cassiar Tunnel, even continuing through Burnaby. Westbound looks okay, but this volume has just been building up all afternoon, has not, uh, not given up a little bit. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside Walmarts and the real Canadian superstores. Throughout BC, for hours and locations, visit sussexinsurance.com. Open every day. High above North Vancouver and Global One, I'm Tim Main.
Hurricane Laura slamming ashore in the early morning hours, lashing the Louisiana and Texas coast as powerful as a powerful Category 4 hurricane. By midday, the storm had weakened into a tropical storm. However, daylight has revealed the extent of the damage. That's right. Houses and businesses have roofs torn off, windows are blown out, trees are down, and more than half a million people in the region have no power. This morning, daylight revealing Laura's path of destruction. It looks like a bomb exploded. It does. All over the city, it looks like a bomb exploded. Roofs ripped off homes, trees uprooted. The deadly storm scarring coastal Louisiana. Windows broke out, walls came in. The Category 4 hurricane struck overnight, tearing through towns with winds topping 150 miles an hour, enough to flip trucks off the road. And in Lake Charles, where Laura's destructive eyewall wreaked havoc, the storm shred entire buildings in a few seconds. Oh, skyscrapers going, not good. Oh, no. A terrifying night for those who chose to stay behind. I'm thinking the apartment building is going to fall on top of us because you can hear stuff knocking against the, the brick. Laura's devastating winds didn't just rip through building after building, but also took down vital communication, knocking out cell phone sites like this all across the city. For Chris Watson, the only call he needed was to friends to help him clean up. His home damaged, his car totaled. There's so much damage here, you, you're going, this is... This is a disaster area. You know, I mean, it's a literal disaster. I mean, the recovery time for this is going to be phenomenal. Yet, despite the devastation, today brought the realization Laura could have been much worse, with most people here spared from any massive flooding. We're thankful we didn't get more storm surge than we did. In Texas, too, a sigh of relief. When you consider the magnitude of the damage that could have occurred here, we did dodge a bullet. Back in Louisiana, a night no one will soon forget. I'm just glad that we are all alive. That's it. And tonight, damage totals are still being calculated. But you can see the extent of the destruction behind me and realize just how long a road of recovery lays ahead for this community, determined to move on, even if it takes years to do so. A scary moment to show you from a Weather Channel meteorologist who was covering Hurricane Laura. She was watching the storm in Lake Charles, Louisiana, one of the hardest hit areas, when a panel of glass plummeted to the ground. As you can see, she runs for cover, but thankfully she was not hurt. All right, coming up, what to expect on the final night of the RNC. Uh, the country's doing very well economically. The main message from Donald Trump and who he's really trying to reach. Also tonight, when winter begins at Whistler Blackcomb. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, 
to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Of Lowheat Highway in Burnaby eastbound. We've got this crash just before production. Uh, it's pushing traffic over into the right lane, not causing a huge delay, but definitely moving slowly through there. Crew's still on the scene trying to clear it out. Um, and then there's also that construction to watch out for eastbound. Uh, low heat between production and Gallardi, so causing additional delays after the crash. For 47 years, Kermac Collision and Autoglass has provided unmatched superior customer service and satisfaction. With 18 lower mainland, lower mainland locations, there's a Kermac in your neighborhood. Visit Kermac.com. High above low heat in Global One, I'm Tim Main. U.S. President Donald Trump is wrapping up the final night of the Republican National Convention. And in a major break from tradition, he's making his acceptance speech from the White House lawn. President Trump at a FEMA briefing on Hurricane Laura, confirming the show will go on for his remarks accepting the Republican nomination. His convention closing out at a time of crisis on top of crisis, from the storm to the pandemic to the unrest in Wisconsin. Is tonight an appropriate time to have a political celebration? Very appropriate. Uh, the country's doing very well economically. We're on a V. It could even be a super V. Aides say the president's expected to mention those struggling after the hurricane, announce his administration is buying 150 million rapid COVID tests, and reference the reaction to the police shooting of a black man in Wisconsin to highlight his support for law enforcement. According to advance excerpts, the president will both praise a towering American spirit and argue at no time before have voters faced a clearer choice, blasting Joe Biden for, quote, the most extreme set of proposals ever put forward by a major party nominee. That warning echoed by Vice President Mike Pence last night. You won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. Pence never mentioning the name of Jacob Blake, who police shot in Kenosha, but using the unrest that followed to boost his law and order argument, insisting Joe Biden has not called out violence forcefully enough. Let me be clear. The violence must stop, whether in Minneapolis, Portland, or Kenosha. We will have law and order on the streets of this country for every American of every race and creed and color. The vice president laying out what the campaign sees as the central choice this election. It's not so much whether America will be more conservative or more liberal, more Republican or more Democrat. The choice in this election is whether America remains America. And the campaign hoping to reach suburban women voters featuring personal stories from high profile women in the president's orbit. I have seen firsthand many times the president comforting and encouraging a child who has lost a parent, a parent who has lost a child. Don't lose hope, he has told them, assuring them that they are not alone and that they matter. It is a record sentence for the man responsible for New Zealand's deadliest shooting. A judge has handed Brenton Tarrant a life sentence with no chance of parole. It's the first time the country's most severe punishment has been issued. The 29-year-old white supremacist pleaded guilty to 51 counts of murder and 40 counts of attempted murder in the attack on two mosques in Christchurch last year. This has been a crime in New Zealand that has never, the likes of which has never occurred before. And now we've seen a sentence the likes of which we've never seen before as well. Um, but yes, it gave me relief to know that that person will never see the light of day. 
New Zealand's Prime Minister also praised the 90 survivors and family members of the victims who gave emotionally charged statements during the four-day sentencing hearing. And in health matters tonight, major changes could be coming to the bodies that regulate health care professions in B.C. A report to the government is recommending the current 20 professional colleges be reorganized into just six such groups. The recommended plan is designed to increase the effectiveness of the college system and to ensure more transparency. We had, um, uh, in terms of our regulated uh, professions, uh, we had professions from uh, about 87 uh, members to 60,000 members. What we're creating here and creating six new colleges are organizations that have the resources and the, the breadth uh, to engage in, uh, to regulate their professions, to ensure public safety so we'll have stronger and more robust organizations. Still ahead, the balloons that got away. So we put the balloons out on the patio. How a little girl's get well wish ended up in a farmer's field hundreds of kilometers away. And a lot of people asking, will pro sports ever be the same? The Vancouver Canucks join the call for an end to racial injustice. I'm Squire Barnes. Burnaby Hospital has been serving our community for nearly 70 years, but it's time for an upgrade. Support their transformation to a world-class facility to meet growing health care needs for generations to come. Proudly supported by Global BC. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. With so much environmental doom and gloom, it sure is nice to hear a success story and a new study of how sound is providing it tonight. It used to be one of the province's most polluted waterways, but as Linda Aylesworth reports, 20 years of community effort to restore it are really paying off. Just northwest of Vancouver and reaching all the way up to Squamish, you'll find the spectacular body of water known as how sound. It's very unique with things like your glass sponge reefs, that are the only place in the world where you can reach them by scuba diving. According to a recent report from the OceanWise Research Institute, those ancient glass sponges and the myriad other species that call the sound home are relatively safe and healthy now. But that wasn't always the case. Back in the early 1900s, that's when Britannia mines started. So, of course, as it continued to pump um, tailings and heavy metals and acid rock drainage out, it got more and more sick. Britannia was the largest copper mine in the British Commonwealth. And due to its massive output of toxic runoff, which turned the coastline a rusty red, this was the most polluted site in the continent. People weren't seeing cetaceans, whales or dolphins. They weren't seeing seals or sea lions. And they weren't eating the few contaminated fish that managed to survive. But when the mine closed in the mid-70s and a treatment plant was put in to reduce the persistent toxic runoff, the water got cleaner. What we've seen in the last 10 to 20 years has been an increase in things such as hearing numbers. That meant there was food there for other animals to come back and start feeding. And so the seals and sea lions, whales and dolphins started to return. The ecosystem was recovering, not just due to changes in industry, but community involvement. Oh, citizen science is huge out in Hellsound. It's amazing. The information, the knowledge, the data they collect is really critical and we've used a lot of it throughout our report. They're also the ones who roll up their sleeves to give marine life a helping hand. But there's much more work to do. We've seen a lot of 
really positive comebacks in terms of species coming back and the health of the waters out there. Um, But we can't sit back and rest on our laurels yet. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. So beautiful. It really is. Well, after pulling the plug on the last ski season in March due to the pandemic, Whistler Blackcomb is planning for nearly full operations when the snow starts to fall this winter. When the season starts, a reservation system will be in place with a limited or a limit placed on the number of people on the mountain. Skiers and snowboarders will be required to wear face masks in lift lines and while riding the chairlifts and gondolas. Ski school and on-mountain dining will be open with some changes. If conditions permit, the season is scheduled to start November 26th. Wouldn't that be nice? Seems a little soon to be talking (laughs) about that, especially when we have a forecast like we do. Let's check in with Yvonne, who's in for Christy tonight. Yvonne? Yes, we're still squeezing out a bit more. A few more weeks of summer. This is what it looks like overlooking the North Shore Mountains. It's been pleasant today. Temperatures have warmed up, especially away from the water, with the Humidex feeling closer to 27 and 28 degrees. A touch cooler for areas near Victoria right now and areas near Nanaimo still feeling like 26 degrees. Now, overnight tonight, we've just got a few clouds out there. It'll be cool once again, so keep that in mind for tomorrow morning. We're down to 13 degrees and then we've got sunshine, similar weather picture to what we're seeing today, and areas away from the water tomorrow. 24 is the high and with the humidex feeling closer to 27. The southern half of the province remaining dry, hot, especially for the southern interior, but it's this next defined system and weather maker that is pushing in along the north coast. Now the timeline, it'll intensify the heaviest rain this evening, overnight and for the morning hours, and then by tomorrow afternoon there is some instability with the even the risk of thunderstorms. It's going to sweep across the northern edge of Vancouver Island, potentially clipping areas near Tofino as well. So a wet start to the morning and then clearing towards the afternoon. It still remains dry for the southern half of the province as we get in towards the weekend. But Metro Vancouver, there is a chance for some rain, and I'll show you that in just a moment. Upper-level chart as we put it into place, so we've got a change on the way. It'll mean cooler temperatures, especially for the Okanagan. We can see that dip as early as Saturday, Sunday, with temperatures getting back into the low 20s. The instability will be along the north coast tomorrow with that risk of thunderstorms. Most areas towards the northeastern corners could see that towards north of Fort St. John for Fort Nelson. Increasing cloud cover for the central interior. Still one more hot day for the southern interior, so a heads up. It'll cool off towards the weekend and then along the south coast. It's pleasant away from the water. It'll feel closer to 27 degrees. Now the blip in the forecast will be Sunday night. If you do have plans, we are looking at that rain moving in and then easing off with just a chance of shower for Monday morning. All right, tonight's uh, central windows, weather window, a great shot in Kamloops captured by Ed. That's the South Thompson River. Guys, it's postcards. Picture perfect. Thank you very much, Yvonne. It really is beautiful. All right, uh, look, let's, let's bring in Squire because what a big, big day this is. Uh, hockey is very important to all of us. Pro sports really are into your department, uh, of course, but sometimes world events, cultural mm-hmm. events are much more important. Well, we've seen it. Um, we have seen it, obviously, in the uh, NBA. We saw it in the NBA the other night when they um, refused to play the playoff games yesterday. The NHL did play their games yesterday. That was noticed. And, of course, these postponements in the NBA was to do with the Jacob Blake shooting in outside of Milwaukee in Kenosha, about 40 miles outside of Milwaukee. Now, the teams in the NHL's Western Conference bubble came together today and they announced the postponement of the next two nights of playoff hockey. You know, 
I said that standing together here is, it's, it's just, it's more powerful than anything you can do. The league has not put out an official schedule yet for when hockey returns, but it looks like the games will resume on Saturday. All right, we'll check in with you a little later. Also, how a little girl's lost balloons ended up in Alberta. The only thing about those promos is we get to see how we looked over the years. And some of the hairstyles. Oh, just yeah. wait until you see mine. I always like the height difference between uh, Linda and Can I just point Spire out that one? that day the floor was badly slanted? I know it. I know you it. Mean, they, 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 actually quite a bit Yeah, he was, he was like on the high part of the floor. It was very embarrassing <laughs> for me. Uh, the NHL played three playoff games yesterday when the NBA postponed all of theirs in protest of the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. That was noticed that the NHL players did not also refuse to play in solidarity. It all changed this morning, though, when the NHL players, with encouragement from guys outside the bubble like Evander Kane, decided to postpone today's games and tomorrow's. And it was the Canucks players and the Vegas Golden Knights players who did a lot of the work to stop the NHL for two days with the playoffs likely to resume on Saturday. I go to war with these guys and I hate their guts on the ice, but I couldn't be more proud of these guys. It's, uh, you know, the statement that they've made today is, is something that's going to last. You know, these two days isn't going isn't to fix anything, but um, the conversation and the, and the statement that's been made is very powerful, especially coming from uh, from this league. We talked about it um, in the room this morning, and you know we really, you know, obviously realizing the impact it's having on the world and, and around the sports communities, and obviously, you know, seeing what was going on with basketball and the MLB and uh, and everything that you know we, we talked about as a group, and then I wanted to go over and, and talk to uh, to, to Ryan in, in Vegas and. Um, we just all thought it was the, the best course of action. A lot of times you play on different teams, they all care about each other, but when they go on the ice, they still compete hard against each other. And uh, yet they're family. And I felt like our group uh, wanted to make sure that uh, the Vegas team knew that, or Ryan knew that they were behind them and um, wanted to have a conversation. Uh, and again, I was, I was behind them all the way and supported them 100% with uh, whatever decision they made. And, um, you know, it's hard not to be, to be proud of them. Although the latest report from the NBA... First round of the BMW Championship from Chicago. 70 players left in the FedEx Cup playoffs. It's the second tournament of three, and that's Mackenzie Hughes of Canada. And that's a birdie putt going down. He got it to two under at that point and tied for the lead. Tiger Woods on the fifth decides 
Forget chipping it, I'll just putt it from about 70 feet away. Going British Open here. Got it to within five feet, made his par. He's plus three, but only three guys broke par. This course was very tough. Huge short birdie putt here, got it to minus three, but finished up at minus one. He is third. Take me to your leaderboard. Hideki Matsuyama at three under par. There you see Hughes at one under, Tiger Woods at plus three. Hadwin and Taylor four and five over, and Corey Connors six over. When the uh, Vancouver Golf Tour starts the Vancouver Open tomorrow, one of the players out there will be Christine Wong, who has done pretty much everything for the game. She loves to play golf. She loves to teach it, coach golf, talk golf. Basically, she's an ambassador for the game with the skills to still win events. Christine Wong doesn't just know her way around a golf course. She knows her way around golf. It's a game she's been playing since she was a kid. The first time I picked up a golf club, I was eight years old. My dad introduced me to uh, the game. Uh, he wanted someone to play with and he had two daughters, so it got both of us into it. And it didn't take long for Christine to know she was good at this game. I think I was around maybe 10, 11 when I started being the guys just in my little age group. Um, and I was like, oh, I kind of like this. I love that. So how many guys do you think you chased out of golf? <laughs> good question. I have no idea. <laughs> I hope not too, too many. Playing against the guys is something Christine still does on the Vancouver Golf Tour. She'll be in this weekend's Vancouver Open. She was leading the tournament last year at the Vancouver Open through the first round at 64 out at um, McCleary. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the same thing uh, this year. You know, she's twice qualified for the U.S. Open, the Women's Open, and uh, she's won a BC Amateur title. And, um, you know, I think she's, she's been, you know, one step below the LPGA playing on the Symmetra Tour. And that time on the Symmetra Tour was rather eye-opening for Christine. So I was excited, and then once you're out there, it's like, as you know, it's not as glamorous like on TV. So when she was finished with that tour, she decided to put the clubs away for two full years. Just for myself, I wanted to take that break, just mental, physical break of training, and um, just all the mental stress, I guess, from playing, so. Did you think you'd ever play again? At some point, yes. Not only play, but coach and teach the game as well. Her love of golf is in full bloom again, and her love of playing against the best, be it women or men or both, is also back in a big way. Can you beat these guys? Yes, I can. I can. That's kind of what's driven me to be where I am today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. With the camera. <laughs> you know what we love is when we go and shoot golf and we put the camera on the green, just like you saw there, and they sink the putt. Drained it. Wow. That wasn't Can you do that? take five, that was part of her game. Can I do that? Oh, you got a hole in one recently. We haven't uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, 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 you don't need to hear about that. Well, I finished, I followed it up with the seven, so it wasn't really that <laughs> well, important. There's gonna be a plaque. Know. There's gonna be a plaque. Somewhere, oh yeah. Sure. Yeah, somewhere. Thanks, Squire. You're welcome. Let's check in with Andrew for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And Thanks, Sophie. We have breaking news. We are learning tonight that the Trump International Hotel and Tower in Vancouver is closing permanently and hotel staff is being laid off. It's believed to be connected to financial problems brought on by COVID-19 travel restrictions and other issues. Plus, we will take a look at what police and bylaw officers
officers are doing to ensure bars and restaurants are following COVID safety rules. We did a ride along for a number of inspections in Surrey today. We'll have more on what they discovered when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie, Chris. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. And when we come back, a little girl got some get well balloons and then lost them. But it all worked out way better than she could have imagined. That's next. So have you ever seen balloons floating off into the sky and wondered where they originated and where they might end up? A Pitt Meadows family was shocked when they found out a balloon bouquet given to, a, to their daughter after a hospital visit managed to make it right across the Rockies. Global's Ted Field reports. It has been a rough few days for nine-year-old Eliana. Last week she fell while at camp and broke her arm. A lot of people wanted to make her feel better including the people who work with her mom, they sent Eliana a balloon bouquet. They looked like they were in heart shapes, they were white, and then there was this get well soon thing around them. Last Sunday, the family held a party. The balloons were placed on the patio, but when the party was over, the balloons were gone. I told Eliana and she was upset, and we kind of you know, went to bed thinking a little bit about those balloons. On Tuesday, Mom Alicia received a stunning voicemail from an Alberta number. I just want to let you know that we found your balloons in our field. I listened to it a second time and actually the hairs on my arms stood up. I realized she was talking about our balloons. The balloons made it to outside Valley View, over 1,000 kilometers from Pitt Meadows. They landed in almost perfect shape in a field belonging to Doreen Poirier's brother. A lot of stuff these balloons had to go over and down and about, you know, to get here. And they were still three-quarters inflated. Now, this was a mystery Doreen had to solve. She used the tag attached to the balloons to find the owner. just thought, oh, I'll give them a call. We thought about it, hum and hawed for a couple of hours, and then I said, that's it. I have to phone this lady. Doreen has packed up the balloons along with a get-well gift, and it's going the slower, traditional route back to B.C., brings a little bit of a tear to my eye that somebody would take that time and concern and effort to leave such a lovely message and you know furthermore to to the extra mile that she's gone to send those balloons back to us the family's going to stay in touch and maybe follow the same route and fly to alberta one day for a visit now I'm gonna ted field global news oh that's so sweet such a nice story yeah uh, okay, well, yeah, the winds obviously were blowing in that direction <laughs> at one point. Pretty calm lately, though, Yvonne. Yeah, and we've got more sunshine on tap. Fantastic. Saturday looks to be the nicest out of the bunch if you've got plans for the weekend. Sunday, it's late day that we have some rain. Eases off quite quickly, and then we're back into some sunshine as we get into next week. All right, we'll take a break from hockey for all the right reasons and hope it gets back on Saturday. Thanks very much, everybody, for watching. Good night, all.